Brewing Network is proud to present Beer Radio that turns ordinary homebrew into award-winning beer. The Jameel Show. And now, your hosts, Jameel Zaynashef and John Plisse. Good evening, my Bruin brothers and sisters. And we got our head checked. We got our head checked. Yeah, we're we're here uh, still yeah. after the uh, Sunday show is finished, and we're it's going like, strong. Uh, it's not ten in the morning; it's ten, 10 at night, sixteen p.m. Pacific uh, after the daylight savings change or whatever. But uh, we're doing this because we love beer. Yeah, uh, and uh, yeah, exactly. And uh, you know, there were some scheduling conflicts uh, with tomorrow. Uh, so here we are. Here we are, and we're talking about. Belgian strong darks, yeah. Belgian <laughs> dark strong. House. As you can tell, my co-host John Fusay has been drinking. Yes, not, I've had successfully not, five pints of beer. In not coffee days. as usual, but beer. Beer. And this is the difference you get between when we do this in the morning and when we do this in. You the get morning. a more creative and open. Yes, John Fusay thing kind of thing happening. Yes, the uh, mentality of somebody who's been drinking. <laughs> Of course, I have been too. So what can, what can I say? Yeah, yeah let's do it. Wow. Okay. So, <sighs> one so interesting John, thing about the Jamil show after the Sunday <laughs> show is that you do have a lot more chat people, and occasionally I will pass on their comments to you uh, when they relate to the show. And I just want everyone to know because I think this is a fantastic idea that came through from Brains Tasty in the chat room that Jamil, your license plate should say uh, Pope MBL, like all one word MBL. So it's you have Pope Mobile. On your license plate. He wants you to get yourself a personalized plate. Pope Mobile. Yeah, people think I'm religious or something at that point. <laughs> Just, you know. You're working on it. No, yeah. My, yeah, my, my religion is totally beer. That's, that's the only religion I have. Uh, alright, so, so John, have yeah. you, uh, have you had any good Belgian strong dogs? Only one is, uh, Russian River Salvation. Mmm. Mm. And that beer is. River makes some great beer. Well, he's like he's like our uh, our Northern American monk, you know. He's like he's a he's a priest and he brews beer. And he's yeah. a man. Yeah, I would say Vinny, Vinny, uh, Tom, Tommy down, Tom Arthur down in uh, San Diego. Yeah, you know, there's some people really brewing some incredibly great Belgian beers. Uh, you know, Phil Markowski out in uh, on the other coast uh, doing doing his thing as well. And there's mm-hmm. there's others you know, scattered around, but. You know, the thing I like about, uh, Vinny and Tommy is they're like breaking new ground all the time. Yeah. They're trying new things. They're doing something, you know, the Lost Abbey stuff that's yeah. out is really incredible too. Yeah. I don't know if you had a chance to try many of those. I have, yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think they're, they've really taken the, the spirit of Belgian brewing and, uh, you know, it's, it, they've gone past, you know, they, they, they had their time of, you know, cloning Belgian brews and now they've gotten to the point where, they're really crafting new things mm-hmm. that really you can identify as Belgium, but you're just like, wow, this is, you know, a drinking experience. Mm-hmm. I was down in San Diego uh, a couple months ago. I go down there uh, fairly frequently and uh, to meet a, a good friend of mine, uh, Harold Gabranson and his uh, lovely family. And we were having uh, some beers at dinner and uh, he said, you know, uh, 
I, I want you to try this beer. It's like my favorite beer in the whole world. And mm-hmm. it's the Hooden Caraloos uh, Grand Crew of the Emperor. Wow. Okay. And he goes, yeah, and it's it's actually one of the uh, commercial examples of the style. Mm-hmm. And this place he he took me to down there, they had uh, you know just these fantastic beers. You know, they had the Lost Abbey and you know, a lot of different things that were really great shape. And this is just a drinking experience. It's so you know if you have had Belgian beers before and you think oh, I don't like Belgian, you know, a lot of people when I first started judging beers, I'm like I don't like these you know Belgian beers because they're harsh, they're alcoholic, they give me a headache. Yeah, they're you know just just horrible. Well, that's you know? the issue, the headache. They ferment too well, hot. I've even heard it from the other end. Uh, I really sweet. like Belgian beers, and then you you yeah. taste these guys' Belgian beers, and it's a whole different plane. Right, right. They're getting it from the other end. Yeah, <laughs> and 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 those those beers, you know, they can be, you know, so harsh and burning. Uh-huh. And yeah, some people they really love those. And you know, there are, there are even some judges out there that they think anything Belgian needs to be harsh and burning. If you have a really well-made example mm-hmm. of these beers, if you have one of these beers fresh from Belgium and, you know, it's really just, you know, in its prime, boy, it's it's not harsh. It's not burning. You don't have a headache. You may have, you know, trouble standing up. but <laughs> That's you know, okay. But once you lay down, you know, when you wake up in the morning, you're not going to have a fierce headache. You're right. not going to have that 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 you know, horrible, uh, you know, fusel alcohol burn to your head. And if if you've been scared away from Belgians before, you know, the secret is really in the fermentation huh. and you know con- controlling that fermentation. Yeah, they'll tell you, oh yeah, we just let it run wild. Well, maybe you know things have evolved over time where that works. But for the home brewer using the uh, liquid yeast packages that are out there. You really need to, uh, you know, control your fermentation mm-hmm. temperatures, and you can make a great beer that's non-harsh. Well, a lot of I think home brewers have the misconception that you should ferment them hot, yeah, like, like seventy plus to eighty-five, but you're going to get a lot more fusel alcohols from that. So pitch colder, it goes really fast and ferments down really low. But right, let it creep what, up. What you get out of it isn't what you want. Yeah, it's just you you have a lighter body character in a Belgian beer and it's a little drier but you have this warming alcohol but it's kind of too hot. Yeah. You've lost the whole fruit character of the yeast, you know. It's it just or do a little colder changes. Yeah. Because real pineapple. Right. Why don't you uh, give us a rundown on the style, John? Well, it depends on what yeast you use with the with the Belgian dark strong. Um they should have a fair amount of esters. Mm-hmm. Um they're definitely malt focused. Uh, definitely strong in malt, um, malt aroma for sure. It's not def- it's, this this beer is not a hop focused beer. It's all malt focused, complex, complex, rich, m- yeah, malty, exactly. Mm-hmm. And d- yeast is key in this. So as a home brewer, I would say pick a Belgian yeast you like. Um, Wine Labs five fifty five was it five thirty? The Abbey, the Trappist. You know, but we'll get into the we'll yeast get that to later. But um, it should be a fruitier. A maltier beer, dark in color. Um, what about hops? Hops, you want like a Saws, a Noble Hop, or a mm-hmm. Hollow or Should, or, should or, it be hoppy? Not at all. It right. should not be hoppy. It should be... Um, the You're only using hops to balance the, sweet, the sweetness. Mm-hmm. and Keep it from being cloying. Yeah, you don't want a cloying sweetness. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, so color, dark red to brown in color. Mm-hmm. Alcohol, 8 to 12% alcohol, depending on how bold you are as a brewer. Um Soft mouthfeel, probably if, I don't know, lower. I like things with a soft mouth. Soft yes. mouthfeel, yes. <laughs> soft. Um, high carbonation, you know, traditionally Belgians are bottle conditioned. Uh-huh. Um, you definitely want some 
head and some carbonation <laughs> coming about through. how you like that. Um, so, you know, it depends on Soft what you head. like. And so, <laughs> but can you get uh, that in a, uh, Keg conditioned, get, or do you pretty you much head? Have to have, yeah, can you get a soft head with keg conditioned, or do we have to go uh, to a bottle condition for that? I, well, I, I see I, that a I lot. Think you, I think you can. The question wise, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you can. I, I think uh, bottle conditioning isn't necessarily uh, critical on, on something like this. I do all my beers in the keg, force carbonate them, and uh, counter pressure bottle fill them. Me too. And I think, you know, and I I get comments from judges back, oh, absolutely, you know, obviously bottle conditioned. Right. Or I get questions, you know, get comments, obviously filtered. It's like, no, No. none of those things are true. I I don't filter beer. I don't bottle condition. You know, I don't do any of that stuff. But if you want to be traditional, you should definitely bottle condition your Belgians. Just for the carbonation aspect. You You can. too. Put the cork in the damn thing. Yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah. Well, you got to get the the Belgian bottles, the with the not the seven fifties, but you you want to get the the special corks to fit in there. And right. You want to do it all the way up. Yeah. You got to want to condition in the bottle. You got to want to put the cork in them. You got to put the cage on it, and and do the whole experience. Does it necessarily need to be doing that to have great beer? Not at all. Not at all. Mm. No. But I I still want to do that. I want I want to have that experience of taking those those. Uh, Belgian bottles, which uh, B3 carries now. Yeah, we do. Belgian corks and, and Belgian bottles. And you have to have the Belgian corks to go in them. You Scott can't likes re- to stick a cork in it. Yes. Stick a cork in it, baby. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that I, I, I really want to try that, just to, like, the, the whole presentation thing of it. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, so getting back to the overall uh, you know impression of these beers, they can range from a, a drier beer, a lower beer, lower alcohol beer, not low alcohol, but you know in the lower range, they can uh, be real warming and give you a real flush when you first drink it. You know, real high alcohol. Mm-hmm. They can be drier. They can be sweeter. Uh, some of them finish a lot sweeter with a lot more body. Mm-hmm. Uh, the recipe we're going to give actually uh, only has about seventy-five percent attenuation. What, and uh, what do you so look it's pretty for? sweet then? Well, it tends to be uh, full and a lot of mouthfeel to it. Not cloyingly sweet, but it's got some sweetness to so it. So when you're judging it, uh, what do you look for? Uh, middle range, you want to have something, you know, uh, what are your characteristics that you're looking for as a beer judge? Uh, it, what can I shoot uh, for? It's basically, what, yeah. I, what can I shoot for for you this know, style? It, it, it has a fairly wide range. It, and exactly. The, and, the, the, you know, it's... Overall impression in this beer is critical, and and you know it gets broken down into the various subparts. And really, you know, you're going to want some uh, malt aromas, some some characteristics, some complex malt characteristics to it in the aroma. Uh, you know, appearance wise, you want a you know a, an intriguing color, something that's uh, you know, and a, and a brilliant clarity and a nice foam head. Uh, as far as flavor goes, again, you know, complex maltiness and some sweetness is nice. If it's going to be dry, you know, everything else needs to fall into place if it's going to be sweet it can't be overly sweet it's got to be just enough sweetness it's got to be kind of have a balancing uh, malt balance or a balancing hop bitterness uh, you know balances everything in, in in all these types of beers and then uh, you know as far as the alcohol warming in there and uh, the overall mouthfeel so all those things are really important in this beer and you know it needs to be overall pleasant experience and 
if you're looking to, you know, place in this category, it needs to be fairly big and bold. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because stand out. Yeah, sure. you know, uh, if you're if you're going to make a, a smaller beer with this and enter it, it really needs to be exceptional and stand out in some way. Um, but if you go too weird, if you end up with yeah. you know way too estuary or you know anything like that. Um, you know, you're gonna end up with a beer that, uh, you know, just sticks out and doesn't seem well, right. This is, this is such a wide category. Yes. And, uh, like you said, don't get too weird, but go big. That, that's pretty right. good. It's pretty good right. advice mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with that one. It, it kind of narrows it down a little bit for what you're shooting for. Right. Right. I think that's a good point. Well, when we come back, we're gonna get into the ingredients of this bad boy, dark, strong. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, we'll get into the recipe when we come back from the <laughs> short break.
Jamil Show. All right, we're back from break. That was Cold Hot Crash during the break. You go to coldhotcrash.com, pick up their CD. That's some good stuff. Yes, it is. Cold Hot Crash. Yeah. That'll be you tomorrow morning. <laughs> That's him in about 15 minutes. Oh, he says we poured this new beer anyway. Mm. Yeah, Justin broke out the uh, St. Bernardus uh, uh, 12. Hmm. The limited and that edition. is a... Uh, uh, a Belgian strong dark. Let's talk about the resemblance of Doctor Scott on the front here. <laughs> no, let's not. No. So one of the things okay. you, I need that, that robe you, that you get in this beer. Uh, you know, you might think that that's got quite a bit of hot bitterness to it, but that isn't hot bitterness you're tasting in there. That is an alcohol bitterness. Yep. So alcohol in certain concentrations, certain types of alcohols can have a bitterness to them, which actually helps kind of dry the beer out, keep it from being cloyingly sweet. Yep. It actually gives it a kind of a dry bitter. Bitter type and of finish. The, the carbonation, high carbonation, helps with the same right, thing. Exactly. So it helps dry out that cloying sweetness that uh, would be in a big beer like this. But you're right; it's uh, it's the same characteristic. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, well, at, at least uh, the bitter characteristic is it is. Uh, it's bitter, but it's different would, than a hop. Yeah, bitter. it's not green. It's not. It doesn't have any citrus notes or anything else that you might get out of some of the different hops. Yeah, well, and, and not even hot flavor, but hot bitterness. You know, I get from hot bitterness. It's more of a it's a different kind of bitterness on the tongue. I don't know how to explain it, it's but I, a, you know, you can you, you can tell the difference between a, an alcohol bitterness and a hot bitterness. They're two well, different a, things. It's like they're both. It's a hot alcohol on your mouth. I mean, well, there's that too, just, but the alcohol bitterness is a little lighter and a little uh, crisper in a way than a hot bitterness, which is more along the lines of kind of a. Uh, Rounded resiny type of bitterness. I don't know how to explain it. I agree with that. that yeah. Well, alcohol is also a acquired flavor on your palate. It's that flavor everybody tastes, but you point it out to somebody, and now they know that. Mm-hmm. And from then on, they drink a big heavy beer, uh, big alcoholic beer. They know what it is. Once you get to that point, the next stepping stone is what you're talking about. It's like, oh, now we're going beyond that just that sweet alcohol flavor, and we're going up to that the bitterness quality of it. Mm-hmm. It helps counteract some things, and uh, that's kind of where this thing's 11 percent. So we're beyond the 8 percent of I've tasted alcohol in my doppelbock kind of thing. Well, and I think it depends a lot on the, the yeast used and the fermentation profile, and a lot of little, little things like that can affect you know, how much alcohol bitterness you get in there. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's actually, in this case, you know, it, it, it helps uh, make the beer more drinkable, believe yeah. it or not, yeah. which is really, really, you know, interesting. This shit is so good. And one of the things you might notice about this, as far as the aroma goes, you don't have a huge bubble gum in this. No, you know it's it's like a more spicy, peppery type of uh, uh, of uh, esters and phenolics that you get in this. It's very complex. It gets that barnyard in there a little bit too. Right, but if if you just have like a cherry fruit character going on, right? But if you're but these things that we get, if you compare them to a lot of homebrew examples, it's much more subtle. 
Yeah. It's much, you know, homebrew examples, they tend to blast out and hit you really hard. And people go, oh, yeah, that's a Belgian. It's like, well, that's a bad Belgian. You know, this is, you know, a a good Belgian is, you know, you think of it as very subtle. And you think of it as being complex. I mean, it's clearly there, but it's not overwhelming. Doesn't overshadow everything, you know, including, you know, like the dog in the background. Now, why does a beer like this, I mean, the flavors are so unique. Whenever you try a unique Belgian beer from Belgium, they have a unique flavor characteristic, and they all have a similarity. Now, if you try homebrewers or anything made in the States here, they're not like what you get in Belgium. Now, I'm curious what you think, what makes this beer and the flavor characteristics so, I don't know, profound. I mean, I'm just going to keep drinking. I think it goes along with what we said before. There's so, there's, there's so many uh, different brewing characteristics that everybody has. Right. It, you you brew different the same recipe that I brew. Right. Uh, they've been right. brewing this thing for a long time. They got equipment that's really old. I've seen Belgian brewing equipment. Well, it's, and it's even the smell is freaking but, phenomenal. But but look at uh, you know if you go uh, you know the Lost Abbey beers again you know down in uh, from uh, Pizzaport they open that Lost Abbey brewery and Tommy Arthur and if you go to Vinny and and try the Russian River beers and you know they they've got a similar type of character and it's that they're using these phenolics and these esters and these alcohols and these complex malt bills or you know even simple malt bills and they're using them in a way. That adds to an overall, uh, you know, beautiful balance, you know, an experience of drinking, not, you know, flavor A, B, and C, you know, right. sticking out in the beer, but something that, you know, blends beautifully in different levels. And it's based on fermentation profile, pitching amounts, right. you know, the balance of simple to complex sugars. So instead of like primary colors, we're talking about pastels. Just no, yeah. It just it just uh-huh. it just flows right in, and, and it's it's tough to get them subtle, but still there. And right. this one, this one, yeah, it's I think that's tough. an excellent point. Yeah, and this is really really nice beer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I just read the back of this can that this bottle <laughs> came in here. The special edition contains hops from Pope Ring. J or whatever. Challenger. Pope, Pope J. Pope, Pope J. J. Producing the hop. Yeah. yeah. Sweet. JC in the house. What up? Uh, Challenger and Golding and has been brewed with black, amber, Munich, and pale ale malts. Mm-hmm. Now, how does this compare to the recipe that you have there? Good question. Same thing. So... So on this, we're gonna we're we're gonna start. <laughs> you guys been drinking or what? I mean, come on, here I am with my orange juice for the morning, yeah. and uh, you guys been drinking. Uh, we're gonna we're, we're gonna make a beer that is uh, starting gravity of one point one oh three. Okay, big beer, twenty four point four degrees. Plate. If anybody hasn't done that, that's tough to do. Wow, that's a big beer. The finishing gravity is going to be out six plater twenty uh, one one oh twenty four finishing gravity. That's a seventy five percent attenuation, wow. which is actually not that big for a Belgian beer. Most Belgian beers are going to finish you know quite dry, but that's you know, tough to do too. Get that digits. kind of attenuation from really big to fairly low. Well, and the 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 trick is you know some simple sugar. So I've used thirty one IBUs. Color is going to be twenty SRM. Alcohol is going to finish out ten point six ABV or eight point two uh, alcohol. Alcohol by weight. Uh, we are going to use uh, eleven and a half pounds of uh, Pilsner extract, uh, five point two one kilograms. Uh, two pounds of a Munich uh, liquid malt extract, or point oh nine or point point nine kilograms. 
uh, a pound of simple cane sugar, table sugar, uh, 0.45 kilograms, and a, about a half pound of a wheat liquid malt extract uh, for 227 grams. And for all grain, you would uh, use uh, 15 pounds of continental Pilsner malt. Important to use a continental Pilsner malt, not, not an American Pilsner malt. Use a continental Pilsner malt. Uh, you're going to use three pounds of Munich malt, uh, the average lover bond of uh, you know eight to ten, and you're going to re- replace that wheat extract with a half pound of wheat malt. Mash at 153 degrees Fahrenheit or 67 degrees C, and you're going to boil that for 90 minutes to reduce the DMS since you're using so much Pilsner malt. Right. If you're doing extract, you can you can get away with a 60 minute boil, but when you're doing all grain, you're going to need a 90 minute boil with all that Pilsner malt in it. Now, is German Pils more fermentable than? Using a Tiro or it's or a different American flavor, pale. a flavor, okay. different flavor. You can make it as fermentable as you want sure. through uh, you know your mash profile. Now, the other grains that you're going to use in there, if you're using extract, you're going to steep uh, a pound of uh, aromatic malt, uh, 0.45 uh, kilogram, uh, a pound of Caramunic 60, 0.45 kilogram, a pound of Special B at 120 love, uh, 0.45 kilogram, and a half pound of melanoidin malt, uh, mm. 227 grams. And, uh, you know, a really great book out there for learning how to brew Belgians is Brew Like a Monk, Stan Hieronymus. And he's got great fermentation tips. Right. There. And awesome. he, he, you know, was a big proponent of going with a really simple grain bill for these mm-hmm. Belgian strong darks. And uh, he uh, judged mine at the uh, last year's uh, second round of the Nationals. And it was like, you know, just uh, it was close to, to making the uh, best of show. And, you know, after tasting, he was like, you know, gosh, you know, maybe, uh, you know, I have to rethink this whole thing about a simple grain bill. And I think one of the things, if you're going to do a Belgian strong dark with a simple grain bill, you might need to do something like a dark candy sugar, which has a lot of, uh, you know, now it's available here in the U.S. And you can get it at most homebrew supply shops. And that dark candy sugar adds a lot of complex things in there. When I first did this grain bill, that wasn't available. Mm-hmm. And uh, what did you, know, you use? It's important. What did I use? I, you used, I uh, used cane sugar. The, cane sugar. the list of things that okay. I just listed. Right. Yeah, and cane sugar. <laughs> and the cane sugar is there to help dry things out. If you do not use the cane sugar, it's going to be too sweet and cloying. Well, it's not going to work. One of the things I noticed was uh, at 153, your sacrification rest. Right. That's pretty high. Right. And if you don't use the cane sugar, you're going to have some issues right. with it drying out. Well, and, uh, well, and, you know, those long chain dextrins, you know, retain some mouthfeel to the beer. No, I know what I'm talking about is you're having a high sacrification Mm -hmm. rest, and if you didn't use the sugar, you'd be in trouble. Well, and even, uh, if you go with a lower sacrification rest, you end up with a a considerable amount of maltose, and, you know, most of these will will do the maltose, but if you provide them uh, sucrose, they're going to take care of that first. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you kind of get a a good running start. That, yeah. You know, your attenuation. If you go with maltose, they may not break down all the maltose. They take the beers. easy thing first. Right. They take the easiest sugars first. And if, if you uh, did this beer at 149 and uh, degrees Fahrenheit or uh, you know, 65 degrees C and you... Um, uh, try to ferment it out. You wouldn't ferment all those those uh, all that maltose out, and you can end up with a sweeter beer. If you have some longer chain dextrins in there, they're not going to get fermented, but they don't really have a sweet taste to them, and so you can have some some mouthfeel and not too sweet a beer. 
Hmm. So it's kind of a balancing act. Yeah, so what, what I'm getting at is if you screw up on your, your mash temps mm-hmm. and you hit it 150 and not at 153 or 154, you could get into trouble with this beer. Too dry or? Uh, it, it wouldn't have the same feel to it. Uh, right, you're right. going to throw the sugars in at the same time, but it's going to come out as a whole different beer. No. Which is why we do all grain, so we can tweak this stuff. I've enjoyed listening to you guys talk for a while. and um, <laughs> I've been drinking this been beer. drinking this uh, 11% beer. I'm more focused on this beer right now. Um, this, I don't know how to explain the malt profile in this beer. I mean, d- does bottle conditioning affect this beer at all? I mean, does it go in sweet into the bottle, or does it dry out when you bottle condition it? Because this it is a bottle conditioning beer. It dries out a little bit, yeah. I don't know. I'm... It, 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 it tastes sweet. It's got to affect something. It just dries I mean, it out. Yeah. Hey, John, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back you up. For, there was a pro brewer here last week yeah. who saw this bottle sitting in my fridge yeah. and said that at this point in time, it's his favorite beer on the planet. He can't get over the malt profile the same way. Okay. So and I'm not I off love, base at all. You're not. And I love the way Jamil started this show about how, you know, when homebrewers go, oh, I've made a strong and malty beer, so it must be a Belgian. I disagree. So I'm really hoping that Jamil ends up like saying, okay, it's not just uh, about malty, strong beer. Yeah. How do we do that, Jamil? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Jamil, that I, is amazing. I, 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 go for it, dude. Bring it home. <laughs> in your lap, buddy. <laughs> so, you know, the, the the recipe that we're giving here is going to be a darker, uh, maltier, uh, slightly, well, it's about the same sweetness uh, type of beer. Uh, beer like we're doing here, uh, that we're drinking here, you're going to uh, back off on um, uh, a little bit on some of the uh, Care Munich and Special B, a, a, a touch. And... What you're going to end up with is, uh, you know, a little similar to that. Really, what what you have here, most of the character of these beers comes from, you know, Continental Pilsner malt. Uh, you know, if you use some Munich malt, and if you think about think about the Doppelbach that uh, Doc and Justin brewed, there's a real malt complexity to there, real candy. rich. Uh, no, I didn't get a lot of candy, but there's a real rich, you know, bready malt sure. character to that. Right. And that all comes from Munich and Pilsner malt and, you know, the process. So the process and the yeast and things like that make a lot of this background. So the the recipe we're giving here is going to give you a lot of that malt complexity. And, and you know, one of the things we're using, we're using, uh, you know, a pound of aromatic and a half pound of melanoidin. And that tends to give you a lot of those uh, malt aromatics as well. Uh, in theory, it's actually possible to brew an entire beer made with aromatic malt. What? It's got enough digestive power it to convert itself. I'm really tempted. Yeah. I just have been so busy I haven't given a shot yet. But uh, you could brew a, a beer entirely out of aromatic malt. I wonder what that would be wow. like. I'm going to write that down. And we're we're going to hold you to this. I wonder yeah, if it's possible with so. melanoidin malt. Uh, that might be too intense, but aromatic is a good choice. It's biscuity. So, it, you know, it, it's, it's a... Uh, a, a lot of the flavors of the yeast as well uh, tends to end to add to a lot of this character. Now, now this beer that we're tasting now, do you think it's a residual yeast that they've used to condition this beer in the bottle, or is it a secondary yeast they added for conditioning? I mean, there's generally, you know, the bottle conditioning yeast could be anything. 
I don't think it's a big deal. It doesn't matter. It's just yeah. you want carbonation. You, you know, they, the, they like the, they tend the to use lager yeast because it's cleaner and they can keep it cold and it'll still work. Fair yeah. enough. Okay. And uh, I think in this case, uh, you know, it, you you really need to uh, you know take a look and see. You know, some of them will be, some of them won't be. You can always add a you know a pint of starter wort to the bottle. Swirl up, let it ferment out, taste the the resulting wort, and see what it, it tastes like. God, it's so good. <sighs> I need right. a break. But John, would it have been so. go- as good on the Monday morning? <laughs> after, no, it's perfect right now. After the break, I feel awesome. After the break, we're going to add into uh, fermentation, and uh, that's really where this this beer shines. That is some sweet air banjo there. <laughs> yeah. But you need to keep your clothes on when okay, you're in the studio, yeah. okay? He's wailing. It's one thing on the on the Monday show that we... Uh, hey, Doc, bring it home, man. Of course, so it's Sunday, so I guess It's Sunday. Sunday. You, know, you can't frown upon it when it's on Sunday. That's right. It's God's day. If it was Friday, then we would all not be wearing any pants because it would be lunch meat. Hey, I'm not wearing pants. It's God's day, John says. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it's allowed. <laughs> God loves people of all... We can all be a sinner on Mental problems, yes. (laughs) All right, so uh, one thing I didn't cover on that uh, recipe was the hops, which uh, I like to use the Haller Tower. Uh, 4% alpha acid, 60-minute addition. Uh, You use about 2.42 ounces or 69 grams to give you about 31.4 IBUs using the Rager formula. Uh, Does that make sense? How do you feel about uh, aging hops? Uh, Letting them go... You know, a year like a lot of the Belgians do. It's tough yeah. to do because you got to keep them in the right. You can't just lay them in your sock drawer. Yeah, the interesting thing is, uh, <laughs> well, yeah, y- y- there's there's a difference. I mean, the hops will become cheesy, yeah, and then they get past cheesy and they become like you know a little more neutral. And for lambic brewing, uh, I think it's critical. You have to do it. The interesting thing is, if you're trying to actually do like a good, uh, you know, German pilsner or something like that. The hops you get from places like, uh, you know, Hop Union and, you know, here in the U.S., you get super fresh right off the vine, jam them into the bales, get them through the mill, get them, you know, packaged, get them processed, keep them cold all the time. You know, they're only warmed up enough to dry them out, and, you know, they trap, you know, all these really fresh, wonderful hop aromas. If you're trying to do a European-style beer, all those fresh hop aromas are really not appropriate. Mm. They, you know, they'll pick their hops. They sit there for two weeks sitting in the, in the, you know, barn while they're, you know, getting ready to send, ship them off to the processor and all that. It's not like they do them here in the U.S. Here, you know, the, you know, they're, they, they're cut from the vine directly into the truck. The truck goes directly to the, the processing plant. The, the plant, you know, strips them off. They go through and they're, you know, they're, through the process so amazingly fast and they they really trap the beautiful hop character and when 
here in the U.S., we really appreciate that. In uh, a lot of other areas, that's considered a defect. So you might leave you know, some of your hops, uh, let them warm up a little bit, and drive off some of those uh, volatile uh, organic uh, All the stuff we crave here on, in the East Co- on the West Coast? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, so we consider a, a, a beautiful thing. So don't refrigerate or put them in a freezer for a couple of weeks? Depends yeah, on yeah. what you're brewing. Right. Okay. Depends on what you're, if you're doing. Bre- and if you're brewing a Belgian Dark Strong... Can you sit out for a couple of weeks? Or? Well, you know, I, I still wouldn't do that. I would just, okay. uh, you know, put them in early. I wouldn't do any late additions. Okay. Just do them early, and I think you drive off most of the uh, volatile aromatics. Excuse me. Good beer. Uh, yeah, that is. Uh, really excellent. So to ferment a beer like this, uh, we give you the grain bill, and uh, I uh, have a preference for the uh, White Labs uh, WLP 530 Abbey Ale 4 yeast or the Y yeast 1762 Belgian Abbey 2 yeast. Those are excellent yeast, both of them. Uh, they're slightly different. You know, you might try the two of them side by side, see what you have a preference for. I, I could go with either one. You're going to make a, just a spectacular beer. Yeah, Abbey's one of my favorite belgians to, to brew with yeah this is the the, the 530 the abbey four yeah. or the y yeast uh, 1762 abbey two it's got great fruit character mm-hmm. and it dries out a beer really yep. well yeah. right and and again with the right fermentation uh temperatures and profile you can end up with this you know spicy you know slightly estery not really hot alcohol just kind of a an interesting you know marriage of flavors and aromas if you're doing a dry yeast, uh, you can try the Saf Brew, the Fermented Saf Brew T58. Yep. Uh, might do okay. Uh, Spicy. It, yeah, it's not, it's, it, you know, um, I understand that, you know, there, there's people that uh, are in a situation where they need, uh, you know, to use dry yeast uh, because of, you know, where they're at or, you know, uh, cost or whatever. Uh, yeah, that can make a, a pretty decent uh, example, but the really the best ones are going to come when, Especially in this type of beer, when you use a Y yeast or a uh, uh, White Labs uh, product, I think those those are really ideal. They've they've sourced them uh, appropriately, and you get something good. If you're using dry yeast, you're going to use 19 grams of properly rehydrated dry yeast, or you can use four of the liquid yeast packages. Of course, instead of using four liquid yeast packages, you can make an eight liter starter using one package of liquid yeast. Uh, I like to begin fermentation about 68 degrees Fahrenheit or 20 degrees C. And slowly, over time, raise the temperature up to 72 degrees Fahrenheit or 22 degrees C around, you know, the last third of fermentation. And what this helps do is keep your, you know, your hotter alcohols restrained uh, initially. Uh, you know, when, you, when you're starting out, it uh, keeps everything, uh, you know, suppressed. You get a nice, uh, more of a spicy profile instead of a real fruity, estery thing or bu- get a bubblegum character. This, uh, you know, this restrained temperature and then letting it rise toward the end. You're going to clean up any diacetyl. You tend to, uh, help attenuate the beer further, keep it, uh, you know, on the drier side rather than the sickly sweet side. And then, uh, when you're done, you carbonate that thing to about, uh, three volumes and, uh, you're good to go. That's pretty highly carbonated. Three volumes? Yeah. Uh, the, the, this beer we're having here is about three volumes. Yeah. Wow. I like them. Pretty carbonated. Hmm. It's tough if you try to pull them off a tap. You gotta, uh, you know, work that over and longer uh, line to do that one. Uh, but it goes back to what I was talking about putting them in bottles. Uh, you want to ferment in the bottle, you can get the higher volumes. Mm-hmm. 
fairly easily. I'll, I'll say again, you know, this uh, St. Bernard's is, is wonderful, but the Lost Abbey beers, I think really some of the, the ones that they're doing, not necessarily all of them, but some of the beers they're doing, they're the equal of this beer. I've, I've seen them. A lot more in the last month. There are Europeans who would ban you from their country for such statements. <laughs> for, no, but they are, you're no right. No problem. Lost. I've got the tummy here <laughs> to back me <laughs> up. Yeah. They are making good beers. It's you're all right. Good. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just shocked at how good those beers are. Yeah. And I've you know. seen them more and more just in the last month or so. They're yeah. showing up. I have a really excellent liquor store right by me mm-hmm. and the guy knows me and he comes in. Hey doc, how you doing? You see what I got new? <laughs> and he's got all kinds of stuff. Nice mm-hmm. up there. I'm just I'm just really thrilled that somebody you know kind of in our you know local area mm-hmm. is doing you know has really mastered the craft so well that they're able to uh, you know turn out something that is the rival of you know the best you're going to get over there. Right. I mean and, that's that's pretty special. I mean you generally got to fly over there and yeah. you know experience it right there. Yeah. And that's still a very wonderful thing. Yeah. I you know if anybody ever gets a chance and. You know, the dream of a lifetime to go over and you know try these beers. You know, in the in the environment there, that's a special experience, and it and it really tastes so much better just even just because you're there. Right. But uh, you know, to have something like this, and if your if your your trip is only to uh, you know Legoland, <laughs> gets you pretty close to Lost Abbey. Yes, Lost Abbey. <laughs> you know, you got the kids. Tell the wife, say, you know, I think Legoland the kids would enjoy sounds- Legoland. <laughs> And when they're disappointed, you won't be. Legoland, yeah. Disneyland, you know, uh, Wild Animal Park. Turn the cell phone off. Trust me, I've been down there a bunch of times. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's it's a it's a great trip for the entire family, including do you, including the beer-loving uh, mom or dad. Do you think a bre- brewers like Vinny of Russian River or Tommy Author of uh, Pizza Port, that brewing Belgians give them the opportunity to be creative? Because now they're brewing beer in mass production and they're putting beer out so people can... You know, drink their pails or their IPAs or whatever. But when they get into brewing a Belgian dark strong or whatever, does that allow them creative freedom to experiment with yeast strains, using oak barrels or um, different malts? I mean, Belgians are so you can do so much with temperature, different yeast strains, mash temperatures, and so much to get a different type of Belgian. Do you think that allows pro brewers to be a little bit more creative? No, I don't think so. I think I think some people show we got to go. I think some I I I see what you're saying and I think some people do kind of fall into that and I think the majority of of uh brewers out there are kind of like you know following along with oh we need an amber we need a a pale ale we need a wheat beer and you know it's they feel like they've got to be constrained but uh look at uh you know uh moose drool from Big Sky Brewing here's you know American uh, they consider it like an American brown ale part of it but that is, you know, at the time it was such a different brown ale. That's like a thick, dextrinous, but not too sweet and, you know, great, you know, great hops. You know, it's great beer. And I would say, I would argue, you know, uh, a few years ago, people would not look at that as an American brown ale. Right. You know, that would be like, what? What is this? You know, but. They brew whatever, and you know you can you can push the boundaries anywhere you want, or you can brew anything you darn well please. It doesn't have to be a, a, a big, strong Belgian beer. It could be, you know, you know, look at uh, you know what's happened with Imperial IPA. Look right. what's happened with uh, 
you know, the amber ales becoming these big bold red things on the West Coast and, you know, a lot of different things. So I think, uh, I think you can be creative anywhere you want. I think that the thing to do is to understand all the styles, like we're going through them, know how to brew them and then say, okay, I'm going to do something, do it up a little different. Here's how I'm going to be creative. And you could be creative with anything, any style. And say, yeah, I'm on the boundaries, or you know, I'm, I'm, you know, nowhere in between. And a lot of times, what's funny is, um, kind of going off on a tangent, like I want to do, but we like the, it. The, the thing that I find a lot of times is, um, Bruce will say, yeah, I don't brew to style. This is, you know, I'm, you know, I'm brewing my own beer, and uh, you know, I got this thing in here, and it's, and it's like a, it's like a German Pilsner, but it's black. Yeah, it's a short spear, <laughs> you know, or you know, or they, they you know, they Hello. believe they're you know wild and crazy and way out, way out there. Crazy. And then you're like, well, this is exactly this is a really good example of you know X style. And the thing is, they just don't know the styles very well. They don't know what else is out there. And it's not necessarily that you know all the styles, but you should know what all the other commercial beers are out there and what's happening in the beer world and at least get a sense of, you know, what others are brewing, what the, you know, the interesting beers are. And then you can do something different. If you're just blindly throwing ingredients in because you think it's interesting, you're brewing something, you know, you probably just Duplicating somebody else's effort. You don't think you think you're the first one to use, uh, you know, like uh, you know, black malt in a uh, you know pilsner or something. Yeah. So that's Shit. you know that's kind of kind of thing. I thought uh, it was original know, for once. But it's like you know, you, you've got to understand. You got to learn the craft. It's not brewing beer. You got to learn the craft, and the craft is thousands of years old. Did you ever see the Cheers where uh, Woody had been working on his his, his own uh, uh, drink, and he goes, "This is great." And he gives it to everybody. Everybody thought it was great, and he gives it to uh, to Carla, and Carla goes, "Oh, it's a great blue moon." It was a he made yeah. a blue moon. He made a blue copy moon. of something. And, else. Yeah. yeah, and it's a copy of somebody else because um, yeah. he he was such a young bartender that he didn't really know what was out there. Right. So that that's kind of the whole thing. Same thing. Yeah. yeah. I don't care what anybody was, He did a great job at it, but somebody had done it before. Right. You don't care what anybody says Carla was hot? Hey, Carla that? was hot. Uh, no, I, I don't care hot. what anybody says. If Doc wasn't here, Jamil, uh, <laughs> we certainly wouldn't have gotten a good cheers comparison <laughs> like that. out of you. <laughs> I actually, you know, I thought that was going uh, off the deep end, and I thought that was actually a pretty good point. Yeah. Uh, I brought you around. I brought you right back around. Right, right back around. That was awesome. It's like a reach around. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Give it to me and right reach back around. Wow. <laughs> I'm going to make you take a break and then come back. All right. We're going to take a break. We need one now. <laughs> we'll come back and answer some questions. Now, back to the Jameel Show. All right, we're back. I'm here with uh, John Plisse and our special guest host, Dr. Scott. Good to be here. He supplied us with a uh, really wonderful uh, St. Bernardus uh, Apt uh, 12. And who makes great Belgians, by the way? I like them. <laughs> who makes great Belgians? St. Bernardus. No, St. Bernardus. Uh, Doc's a great Bre- Belgian brewer. Great. 
I didn't know he was Belgian. He's uh, all right. So uh, fermentation. Uh, Doc was bringing up the question of uh, you know if you're uh, one of the techniques when you're brewing a stronger beer is uh, you know to hold back on your simple sugars initially. So uh, part of this recipe has uh, about uh, five six percent of uh, simple sugars, uh, cane sugar, and what you can do is. Uh, uh, reserve that instead of adding it to the boil. Uh, do you get your fermentation started at a lower uh, original gravity, and then you make a like a syrup out of your your cane sugar, heat it up, and uh, then add that in. Uh, towards generally, uh, it's later than the first half of fermentation. You might add it. You don't want the the yeast to have slowed down too much because. Uh, uh, you know, the yeast start to, uh, you know, get stationary and drop, and uh, you really want to hit them before they reach that point. You want to, uh, as the original gravity is dropping, you want to add a little bit in, and ideally you'd kind of keep it steady, steady state all the way through, but you know, it's kind of tricky to do. So, you know, uh, before, you know, we, you, the zen-like thing, you, yeah. you, the fermenter, you see the fermenter, How's your system? You going? have the uh, sense of uh, you know how it's chugging along in the beginning. You it, see, it's really yeah. kind of reached a peak, and you see, wow, it's really going. Is that when you add it, or is it no? And then you say, uh, starting to wane a little bit. You say it's it's really going, but it doesn't seem quite as much as it was yesterday. Like and it's just, and it's not that you really know, but you sense, you feel it, you feel, you feel, you feel the power, and you you press you press your nipples up against the fermenter, the, the conical or the carboy, and you, and how does it feel? And it feels, feels good, and then and then you say, ah, it's right, and it's then you add the, the sugar right. in. Hmm. Now, what does that sugar do to the fermentation? Well, uh, you know, it's a little bit easier on the yeast. Uh, again, um, you know, you feed them that, and uh, they continue on. Uh, you know, they'll go ahead and uh, wipe that out. Now, one of the things is though that. Uh, uh, you know, the yeast, uh, if you give them the simple sugars initially on, they'll go ahead and finish those up, you know, right off the bat. Those are the first things they'll ferment, and then they go into the maltose. Mm. So uh, it's slightly different. I'm not sure really what the, the grand impact is. I do all of mine. I go ahead and start them off with all the sugars in it. Right when you pitch? Yeah. Okay. I, I put the sugars in the boil. And well, that has that. to definitely change the maltiness or the flavor malt of the beer. If you were to add it right up front, or if you were to add it day three or four into the fermentation, it's got to be a totally different beer. I bet you there's a difference side by side, but uh, I'm not sure, you know, individually that you'd really notice the difference. Um, you know, it, 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 the the simple sugars really have no flavor or very little flavor. You know, it's all like an alcohol-related flavor. Yeah, I think yeah. it's more along the lines it of helps uh, dry it out. Uh, dealing with the yeast uh, temperament. And how they're going to behave at what time you put it in. As he said, you you put a high uh, concentration of sugar at the beginning. It it stresses the yeast a little bit more. Mm-hmm. If you let them get established and they start fermenting down, the concentration comes down. You throw in some easy for them to ferment sugars. Uh, they got a big colony going. They're going to, t- to take them out right then. So it's a little easier on them. So you got to get a little bit different profile out of it. Uh, as he said, probably. Individually, you're not going to see a big difference. Uh, side by side, you're going to probably prefer one over the other, though. Hmm. Now, does stress, does adding the sugars and stressing your yeast affect like a fruit character or an ester that you get? Yeah, in it a, can. Um, yeah, sure. Okay. 
So it's definitely going to be two different beers. Right. And it's probably very yeast dependent, too, and right. different strains. So uh, what happens with one yeast strain is not going to be also, the same as the other. Yeah, you know, the, the malt bill that you're using, things like that. So a lot of vari- variables. Yeah. Uh, Hard to say which one would be, you know, you'd prefer. So if you're going to change something, both. just change yeah. one thing. Yeah. Change one thing and yeah. see how right. it turns out. All right. So uh, let's get to some questions from the chat room here. Yeah, a couple things that came through. Um, and actually, I have a question for you. I hope it's not a stupid question. I think it's a good question. Are you wearing no such thing? <laughs> well, you talked in the very beginning about how high the gravity of this beer is. Uh-huh. And I find it difficult to get that much grain in the mash tun. So I'm curious, how do you get enough grain into your mash tun to do a big a beer like this? There's several ways uh, to get that kind of uh, gravity out of it. Okay. Uh, one's going to be, uh, you just take the first runnings and you do a smaller beer. You can't do a, a full sparge. Okay. Because you're diluting as it goes. So you just take the first runnings. The first runnings, the first third is going to be, uh, pretty concentrated. Yeah. So, uh, you're going to get that out of it. Another way, uh, to do it is do, what, what do they call it where you, uh, you use your, your first, you do a double batch. Do one, uh, one mash. Drain it off, and you use what you drained off as your strike water. You put it back in the mash. It didn't do a new mash. Interesting. All new grain. All new new grain, and you you use that. Mm -hmm. It's it's really wasteful. Yeah. So you're you're, you're reusing the sugars from a first mash. Right, first, yeah. Now now that said, I have a more beer 1550 with the kettles are about, uh, what, 50 liters or 14 gallons. Okay. I can do 10 gallons of this beer and get uh, 1.1. With a 14-gallon mash tun. Yeah, Because no yeah, I have a 10-gallon gallon mash gallon. tun. Well, you have to do a pretty thick but mash. But if you're doing a, a 5- or 6-gallon batch, you should be able to do this. Could I do a 10-gallon batch with a 10-gallon mash tun? Uh, I don't think so. You d- yeah. you, the the thing to do then is uh, get yourself some pills for malt extract. Okay, oh, and uh, use that for part of your uh, right. your uh, you know keep all your specialty grains the same. Don't adjust those. Okay, uh, you know just reduce down if you're reducing anything. Reduce down the amount of pills or malt you're using until you get uh, whatever will fit in your mash tun. You can either calculate that in any of the brew brew tools or beer tools or uh, pro mash or any of that, uh, or you know run that out into your kettle. Take a refractometer reading. Yeah. Say okay, I need this amount of extract to yeah. uh, you know ramp it up, and uh, use a good Pilsner malt extract. Don't forget your uh, cane sugar. Okay. And if you're using a Pilsner malt extract, you might want to go up to like a 10% uh, cane sugar. Okay. Or as you said uh, first, I could do with my 10 gallon system. I could do a five gallon batch instead. Yeah, you yeah. should be able to do a five or six gallon batch yeah. no problem okay. I, I use a thicker mash too mm-hmm. uh, you can't do yeah. your, your 1.5 or 1.3 you gotta you know bring that down that'll help too okay uh, when you're putting it all in and you haven't got to all your 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 strike water and you're at the top of your your mash tun that's a bad thing yeah oh it all works out anyway <laughs> you'll, you'll make beer for sure Okay, uh, guy wanted you to know that uh, when he's listening to your show, he drinks every time you say cloying. Cloying, that's really? His, it's his little drinking cloying, game. Huh? Cloying, huh? Yeah, that, that is one of your words. So what, I, what is cloying? So I use cloying a lot. Cloying is that that yeah. sickly sweet kind of. It makes your parotid glands squirt. Like, so uh, cloying. Yeah, you're a dentist. Uh, you would tell me what okay. are what are parotid glands? Yeah. Uh, the, the, your right, salivary glands in your cheek that well, you, you can you feel them. them. You put something sour in your mouth and it goes. 
you know something that you know uh cloying it clings to your tongue right yeah. so it's yeah. uh you know so syrupy and sugary it, i just it clings I, I, to your tongue. so sickly sweet so when i say cloying yeah. he's taking a drink so well, he just I, took a drink now when i said cloying that's a lot of cloying so if i say cloying now he's taking another drink so this guy could, could be drunk though. of the week if I said cloying a couple more times. I think his point is that he's drunk of the week every week. There because you go. You, yeah, I told you this before. You do use cloying a lot. <laughs> well, you're spo- well, he's got it. He's got it quite ro- kind of wrong. Okay. You're supposed to drink when you hear the word biscuity. <laughs> well, and I, think I use that a lot. I, that's what I said when I brought up cloying to you, Jamil. I said <laughs> that that cloying is your biscuity. Yes. Cloying is my biscuity. Yeah. No, but I, I. How about you have two, two beers going? I've enhanced my vocabulary. One for biscuity, one for cloying, and see what happens. <laughs> see which one's empty first. Yeah. <laughs> okay, and last question, and I hope uh, that this isn't out of place because I wasn't listening to this portion of the show. Oh, great! Uh, but this person <laughs> From said, uh, who wasn't listening. He he was questioning uh, that you had said that, that a fresh hop character in this beer is not a good thing. It, it, it's not really appropriate. Right? Okay, you want more of that kind of an older hop type of. Yeah, thing. you you don't want any real hop character. Nothing hop, green, hop character. Nothing. Yeah, okay. hop character doesn't belong in any of these beers. Really, okay. um, it should be just hop bitterness. Hops in the in this style of beer really just to again keep the beer from being biscuit. Cloying. No, cloying. Uh, <laughs> sweet. Yes. From overly sweet, like me, and syrupy. Okay. Slight. You know, help balance off uh, some of the sweetness. And then the very last thing, which is a bit off topic, and if if it if we didn't cover it in the beginning because I wasn't listening, then let's not do it at all. But were you guys talking about uh, meth mouth, like people? Not this, not this trip. <laughs> no. Was that a different show? It was a different show. Yeah. All right, then we won't cover it. It's a whole different show. <laughs> yeah, yes, we were talking about it. Yes, but not this. It's show. a dental thing. That's all you need to know. Oh, yeah. It's a dental. Okay. Thing. So Jamil, if I want to brew a Belgian dark strong, tell me how to do it. Extract all grain right now. Bring it home. Come on. Okay, he's intense. Let me <laughs> Throw some of this and there, and, and you know what? For a minute, you know it, it's a toss-up between doing this early Monday mornings or doing it in the evening. It Sundays. is a toss-up. I'm not sure which one. I'm going to have to listen to the archives and see yeah, which one I'm going to be doing in the future. I, I look at the feedback, not the archives. Uh, yeah. Well. All right. Uh, just if I can bear the public humiliation of uh, facing people after this, uh, that'll really. At this point, who cares? And it was a Belgian strong. Dark strong tonight. All right. So you're going to want to try and uh, get yourself an original gravity over 1.1. So, uh, you know, 100, not oh something, but 103 in this case. Your final gravity is going to be around uh, 1024, 75% attenuation. About 31 IBUs, 20 SRM. You're going to have a 10.6 alcohol by volume beer. For extract, you're going to use uh, 11 half pounds or 5.21 kilograms of Pilsner extract, liquid extract, uh, 2 pounds or 9.9 kilograms of Munich liquid malt extract, a half pound or 227 grams of wheat liquid malt extract, and then a pound or 0.45 kilograms of cane sugar, table sugar. Steeping grains are going to be aromatic uh, malt a pound or 0.45 kilograms, and also the same amount of Caramunic 60, the same amount of Special B, and uh, a half a pound of melanoidin malt or uh, 227 grams. Hops are going to be Halitower, 
uh, 2.42 ounces or 69 grams to give you 31 IBUs using the Rager formula. And if you're uh, an all-grain brewer, you're going to uh, swap out those extracts for 15 pounds of continental Pilsnermont. Important to be continental Pilsnermont. Germany, Belgium, uh, France, any of those uh, continental Pilsnermonts. And the Munich uh, malt is uh, 3 pounds and a uh, half pound of wheat malt. Mashed at 157 de- 153 degrees Fahrenheit, 67 degrees C. And you're going to need a 90-minute boil on that because of the Pilsner malt to reduce the DMS. As far as your yeast, uh, ideally you want to use either White Labs WLP 530 Abbey Ale 4 or the Y Yeast 1762 Belgian Abbey 2 yeast. You can use the Fermentus uh, Safbrew T58 if you need to use a dry yeast. Uh, ferment that. Start out about 68 degrees Fahrenheit, 20 degrees C. Slowly raise that temperature over time to 72 degrees Fahrenheit or 22 C uh, by about the, you know, after the first two-thirds of fermentation. Uh, the thing started to slow a bit, and you're slowly starting to ramp it up towards the end. You want to find yourself in the low 70s. Uh, that helps with attenuation, helps uh, clean up some of the other funky little things, but it helps restrain the uh, overall esters and phenolics. Carbonate that thing to three volumes. You can bottle condition or keg it, and I think uh, either way you're going to have a great uh, a great beer. You'll want to let that thing sit. The the one that, uh, you know, uh, Stan Hieronym said, the Brew Like the Monk uh, website there, uh, he really liked that was uh, four year old, four over four years old, four and a half years old when he drank it, and uh, you know the the thing will be good for uh, ten years if you keep it cool and steady. Yeah, I, I didn't know we were doing strong dark Belgians tonight, but I have one that's two years old. Wow! Uh-huh. And I haven't uh, drank it in a there. year, so. Going to bring the next show. Yeah, you know, if if you're drinking these in under a year, you know, you just you're you know shooting yourself in the foot. Let, yeah. You know, you, you can try some, but you know, keep the bulk of it so uh, you know it's good for you know several years. And that's you know a good reason to brew ten gallons. So you you know you have enough to last just sampling it from time to time. And they really come on after a couple of years. The alcohols tend to uh, oxidize slightly and add some interesting flavor characteristics and mellow out a little bit. And they're really, really a beautiful thing. Now, let me ha- tell you how to drink it. You brew a batch of beer. You brew this beer. Okay. Sit on, sit down on your lounge chair. I, for one, prefer John on Sunday nights. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just want to say. Yeah. All right. So, that's the show. Rock and roll. Uh, Thanks for having me. Next show coming up in uh, two weeks from if you're listening on this archive. The next show coming up in two weeks is Southern English Brown. That's one that, uh, uh, again, another one of my favorites. I don't know. I've got so many favorites. It's a really excellent beer. That hurts. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. I I dissed you you with my Southern English Brown. Hell yeah. Absolutely. Smacked you down, you bitch. (laughs) So we have another award-winning recipe coming up, and John and I will uh, give you the rest over over the... uh, over uh, which way is better better to do it. Thank you, Doc, for showing up. And uh, y'all have a good night. Thanks, Doc. uh, I love being here, man. Yeah. Bruce Strong. The Jamil Show has been a production of The Brewing Network. 
please send questions for Jamil to jamil at thebrewingnetwork.com. The Jamil Show airs live every other Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on The Brewing Network.